Hi, this is the Intersection Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. My name is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner, and I have worked with diverse and marginalized people in many different settings and wanted to create these communication tutorials for you. I focus mostly on speech-related communication issues, but I also cover a whole gamut of different psychological and situational things that aren't covered in other public speaking tutorials or programs. Come join me to learn all about different ways that you can come to the table or go to the pulpit or show up at the Zoom meeting as your best self and speak authentically as yourself without leaving your culture, identification, orientation, or process behind. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner. You're here with the Intersection Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. This is communication tutorial number two for this month, and we're basing these communication tutorial themes on the main themes that have come out of the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse episode that was in which Ebony Bell, editor-in-chief of Tag Magazine, was featured. This is episode 12, and the title of this episode is Decentering Black Queer Self-Censorship in the Face of Public Shaming, Racial Profiling, and Violence with Queer Women of Color Media and Programs. And we focused on the incident that had happened with Keisha Young, who's a black woman, young woman. We don't know if she's queer or not. I kind of made that assumption in the episode and Ebony was like, well, we don't know. She was in an LGBT establishment in the middle of Pride. And as she was walking up the stairs to uh, Nelly Sports Bar, which is an LGBT bar, she was um, grabbed by her hair and dragged down the stairs. Now, as they were trying to get her out, and I believe they were doing so physically, she was fighting her way to try to like not have people touch her. But at one point, something happened. She was grabbed by her hair and pulled down the stairs very violently. And so this really shook up uh, the D.C. area. As this video went viral, it shook up, you know, United States and thinking about like, one thing that Ebony had talked about is that, uh, you know, there is a misconception with non-queer people, with straight people, I'll just say heterosexual people, who think that just because we're queer, and especially now that Pride is going on, that we're just all going to get along. And, you know, everything is like, uh, Ebony had said, kumbaya all the time. Well, that is not the truth at all. We all know uh, from our own experiences, especially if you're a person of color and LGBTQ, is that there is racism within the community if you're trans or gender non-conforming or just a, an ally, and hopefully you are, you know that there's tons of transphobia within the community too. And so this is something that is important to address. And I already covered a communication tutorial on queer self-censorship or just self-censorship of diverse people and how that happens. But one of the most insidious things that happens to create self-censorship of diverse people, it's not only the trauma of seeing violence like with what happened with Keisha Young. And I had said in the episode for uh, Diverse Folks Converse, that episode, that I actually delayed watching that video because I have my own trauma response and triggering that happens when I see violence. I did think it was really important to see it so that I would understand what had happened and I would, you know, 
uh, firsthand see what happened, well, I guess secondhand if it's on video, I would be able to see with my eyes and, and hear with my ears what had happened to Keisha Young so that Ebony and I could talk about this incident, which she had brought to me for this episode. So one of the most insidious things that happens, um, and when I say insidious, I mean like it's sort of hidden. It's something that is not always out in the open. And even when you bring this thing up, which is gaslighting, uh, someone might gaslight you in the fact that you said that they just gaslit you, right? So uh, I looked this up on Oxford University Dictionary, and their definition is to manipulate someone by psychological means to qu into questioning their own sanity, which, yes, sounds very insidious, sounds very evil. So again, I have returned again to, you know, many of these systemic problems that we experience as diverse people and as intersexually um, people of color or intersectionally queer people, the, the things that we experience are these themes and these tropes that are spoken about a lot in one-on-one -on -one, uh, partner abuse, but it also is part of a larger system of abuse. It's systemic abuse that is uh, that happens under racism, under sexism, misogyny, transphobia, intersectional racism, which is exactly what was happening at, at Nellie Sports Bar that night. And so it's important to talk about because just as we talked about how an invalidation of your experience can create a self-censorship, right? It's just like if someone has um, undergone some sort of traumatic experience, they have been a victim of sexual harassment, or maybe they were even a victim of sexual assault. The first person they tell and that person invalidates their experience. Why were you wearing that? Why were you in that place? You were in the wrong place in the wrong time. Rather than turning their attention uh, to the self-care of that person or to caring for that person and then all turning their attention, putting the blame to the person that committed this offense, right? So gaslighting is complicated. It's complicated because just like there is a systemic response to create these situations, these abusive situations within our organizations, our institutions, within even like the protocols that are common within a place like, you know, someone who is a bouncer at a bar or at a club, uh, especially in the way that people of color are treated, perhaps as compared to uh, white people in those situations, historically how trans people of color have been uh, treated in those situations where something goes wrong and it becomes a, a reason to put your hands on, for these people to have someone put their hands on them and for them to undergo this kind of abuse. Gaslighting is really horrible because it could be a situation where someone is taking your experience and taking what you're telling them and using it against you so that you doubt what you experienced. And how do you deal with that? How do you battle that? And I would say the main way you battle that is with the kind of work that we were talking about before, being really clear with the facts and being able to uh, document things that have happened in a very specific way uh, and also being able to talk about how these acts or these events or these incidents made you feel and being able to write that out, to think about 
what would have been the appropriate thing to do, what would have been the decent thing to do, and write that out. So when you look at these pieces of paper, and this happens to people who have been through abuse, if someone has a pattern of abuse or being abused, oftentimes they're people who are kind of like their accountability partners, if they've been through a program, will tell them, okay, I want you to document everything because when you get in the room with this person, this abuser, they're going to try to gaslight you. So basically, uh, as the Oxford Dictionary says, they'll be able, they'll do everything they can to break you down and question, help make you question your own sanity, right? But if you have the documentation in front of you, which is also something you want to do when you go to HR, you have the dates, you have the times, you have the specific things they said, you have the specific things they did, you have how you felt in your response, you have perhaps the way you responded, what you told them your boundary was, how they crossed it, and then the things they said to try to make you question your experience and sanity. Oh, well, I have it all right here, okay? And so thinking about that, gaslighting is insidious, and it is especially difficult if the person who is doing it to you has greater power than you, you know, socially, personally, however, right? When they go into a public space or a social space, they can like, they're more entitled, they're more privileged than you. They can fill the space in a different way than you can. And so when you are dealing with them, perhaps they're able to do the same in your communication. Or if you're in a meeting or in a group and you're trying to express yourself, they can take the lead. So this directly has to do with communication and the way that I help all of you, my followers, my clients, my friends, my family, uh, in the past, my students when I taught in university, the way I help diverse people and have helped diverse people gain their footing in situations that seem impossible in order to like stand straight up and stand with respect and not feel like these things are happening to you. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in this next part of the tutorial. You know, there, I just did a, I just did a podcast. I haven't done it since November with my creative collaborator, Manifa Harris. She has a voice studio called Impact Voice Studio. She's incredible. Highly suggest her if you're looking for a vo voice coach. Uh, she, we were just talking about uh, how this notion of ephemeral, so like we, we, we changed the spelling to F-E-M instead of P-H-E-M, ephemeral. So fem is that space of femininity which we see less so as a gendered thing and more so as marginalized people and oppressed people who have been uh, made invisible by history. That includes right now and that includes media, right? Like discounting our experiences. Uh, and they have, there has been an attempt to erase us from history. In many cases, they've been successful, right? Uh, erasing us from history. Whereas there is a dominant voice who is the dominant social group and socioeconomic group as well. And that voice is very aggressive. It's immediately believed. It's immediately respected. It's, you know, traditionally the white cisgender heterosexual man, able-bodied man, right? And I'm going to tell you in this next part how you can take that space 
and you can take that attempt and you can take that historical place of attempted erasure, of silencing, of being made to feel invisible, of being made to feel inaudible. And you can take that as an opportunity to become so sure of yourself and feel so solid and confident in yourself that when you do speak and you speak your mind and you speak your truth, you do not feel swayed by someone's gaslighting. So we're going to cover that next. Thank you so much for staying with me so far and I'll see you real soon. You've reached midway in the intersection, communication tutorials for diverse people. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us. I know it's not always easy to come forward and admit that you do need help with your communication because many times when we've done that, we've been faced with misunderstanding, people trying to force us to assimilate to a way of speaking or communicating that doesn't feel right to us or just asking us to whitewash the way that we talk or appear. Here in the intersection, I'm not asking you to do that, but rather I'm giving you a whole bunch of different tools based on my experience and my methods teaching diverse or marginalized people. I'm really excited to be here and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, this is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner and you're here for the second part of the second communication tutorial for this month, which is all on gaslighting. I talked a little bit before about what gaslighting meant and the definition of gaslighting, and now I thought we could talk a little bit through some communication techniques or even just a mindset for beginning to communicate to decenter gaslighting in your life or in your work life, your work environment. So if we look at gaslighting and that definition that we had saw, seen in Oxford, manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity, it would make sense. And there are two things I want to cover to not get to a place or to get to a place where that is not happening. So how do you do that? Uh, if someone is questioning your sanity because something unbelievably horrible happened and you experienced it, and when you say it, people say, oh, that must have not happened like that, then you need to have your facts straight. You need to have things documented like I had mentioned before. Taking your emotion out of it and then putting your emotion down on paper is going to make things really clear. So talking about times, dates, things that have happened, things that people said, what you said to try to correct it, what the other person said in response, what were your feelings about it, not to cloud what has happened, but you are human, you're going to have feelings, you're going to have a negative impact. Get all of that down. After you have that down, which will hopefully curb that part about questioning your own sanity because you will have this documented. After you get that down, now is the time to learn how to speak about it. Whether you're speaking about it to an ally who is at your work or even just a friend to get it out. I know for me, I've been in work situations uh, for several years upon decades before I changed the model for my business for communication coaching. I was under the illusion that I could blend in, right? Which is something that uh, my friend Patrice M. Palmer talks about in their TED Talk, 
am I, or are you a woman or are you a man? Or it's, are you a man or are you a woman? Dot, dot, dot. No, I'm black. Patrice M. Palmer talks about as a black trans person, how they are told repeatedly to blend in, right? And everything in their experience, in their ancestry says that that is impossible. But under social pressure, they do it anyway. And they do it not in this idea of selling out, but they do it because as a black trans person and queer person, uh, they have to decide, you know, uh, what part of myself am I going to represent and be out about right now? Because in a space that is predominantly black, they might not be able to represent themselves as a queer person because they might not be able to take up the same space or take up the space in the same way if they were to do that. And it might hinder in some way some aspect of the social movement and the cause and like the focus of that of that movement or that space in that in that specific situation as a queer person or trans person they have to kind of check their blackness in the door at the door and just kind of blend in as this uh as this queer or trans person that doesn't really refer to their um their racial identity right and how difficult is that to segment things like that so the reason why i'm bringing this up is because once you have sort of like the facts of things that have happened to you, you haven't left your emotion at the door. You haven't necessarily detached yourself from that, uh, your humanity necessarily, but you have that as part of your documentation, what that felt like, what that was like for you. As someone who has experienced this for years upon decades and just kind of shoved it down, uh, I informally had documented things through my conversations with friends and through email correspondence that I have from these years. When I got out of this situation after more than a decade, one of my colleagues came to me and said, you know what, Shannon, you had this happen. You were profiled for being, you know, Asian and for being, uh, biracial and you were told <laughs> that you were chosen for that position because of affirmative action people had actually said that you know and in the moment I knew that that was wrong but I I didn't know how to respond um I received you know uh very specific uh, evaluations in which I had succeeded and I had uh, excelled much, much further and gotten more, much further in terms of publications and people I was working with and seminars and, and fellowships and so on, uh, than my, than my other colleagues who were not of color, but yet I was reprimanded for these things, uh, reprimanded, not reprimanded, but not recognized and, uh, made to feel, uh, as if, these accomplishments weren't accomplishments. Okay. So these are just a couple of things, but you get the gist of it. And you've probably had these happen, things happen before. Gaslighting makes you distrust your gut feeling and it makes you repress your emotions so that you can blend in, right? So you can continue to function in these systems and in these work, in these workplace in these workplace environments that perhaps aren't the healthiest for you, right? 
So having the documentation, having the emotion out, and then also learning how to get in touch with yourself and your truth and the way that you can communicate about this uh, so that you get your truth out in the, in the setting. But one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up in this way is that many of my clients are uh, English language learners. Uh, many of them are Asian American or Asian uh, or Pacific Islander. And from those communities and from those cultures, especially if you're a woman too, you have been taught to uh, not stick out, right? There's that whole, um, I can't remember where it comes from, but it's the, the nail that is sticking out and that the hammer, you know, will pound it down. So you just, you learn to be the same as everyone else. And if you speak up about your truth and if you stand up for yourself, then you are that nail that's sticking out. So how do you do so in a way that feels respectful of who you are, your culture, your background, your uh, sense of duty or your sense of respect for those around you, but also for yourself? And this is something that I think each person has to grapple with, but it is something that is important to bring up. And I would say any way that comes out, let that out. I have a friend who is a performance artist. This is a different example, but I think it's a good one. And uh, she, to people who don't know performance art, so that is experimental theater. So that is, you know, theater without walls. Sometimes you might do a performance piece out on the street, or you might do it in an unconventional theater space, right? Um, you aren't dealing with traditional narratives and characters and storylines. So it's meant to uh, expand your mind, but also disrupt your notion of what is normal, what is normal socially, what is a, a normal story, right? With a hero and a villain, for example. And when she would get bullied, in which she did, you know, even into her, her adult life, she had ways of responding that were strange or things that she said. I can't remember specifically what she had said, but things that had symbolic value for her and was a way for her to get her agency back was also a way for the people around her to see like she wasn't just taking it, right? But the way she did it, maybe it didn't make sense to other people, but it made sense for her and it was a stepping stone to more directly uh, responding to these things. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is if you are an introverted person, if you come from a culture where your background, it's not normal to stand up to authority. It's not normal to call people out when they're doing something that you know is wrong and feels wrong to you. You can take these baby steps before you actually kind of uh, alarm or you send a set off an alarm to let people know what's going on, right? Or just to hold people accountable, including your supervisors who shouldn't be allowing for this to happen, especially if they're seeing it. And those baby steps and the way you speak, the way you sound to yourself, they don't have to be in that other way, that dominant way of, that I was talking about before that happens within, you know, uh, white cisgender male heterosexual culture. You don't have to speak in that dominant way. You can speak and sound like yourself and you should, 
So that is the main advice I want to give you is if you are being gaslit, please gather all the evidence, write down your emotion and how you felt separately from that evidence, and then also write down the impact upon you, right? So, you know, bullying can create, there can be a lot of gaslighting involved. It can create uh, mental breakdown, anxiety, stress, all these things. Write down those things. Write down the symptoms that you're having. Write down, you know, perhaps there are activities that you were enjoying before and you're not enjoying those anymore. And then just start telling people, you know. So one thing that I do is... If something happens to me within an establishment or something happens that is prejudicial, uh, I used to just shrink and hide and take that on and just feel the hurt of it and the trauma. Now I am very vocal. So if things like this happen, I voice them. <laughs> you know, if uh, this is really important because if you don't do that, even if you do it in small ways, like you just tell uh, your partner or you tell a friend, you know, and then slowly you, you tell, you know, other people too. Uh, this is how the gaslighting happens and how it functions is it makes you feel ashamed. So that's what that public shaming part is of the episode I did with Ebony Bell. It makes you feel scared. That is the violence part when you see other people who look like you who are being, uh, harassed or the the victim of violence you know for no other reason than them just being themselves doing something regular that that any of us would do and also the racial profiling right so I've had people tell me I should be acting a certain way right as someone who's biracially Asian and I just I don't I'm I come from a Jewish theater grandmother too. And I, have, I have many sides to me. So I act how I act. I am who I am. But racial profiling does happen. There is an expectation, you know, for me as a small biracial Asian woman, uh, for me as someone who used to represent purely femme to have a certain voice to match that. And I don't. And so for years I let that make me feel squashed you know I was that nail that got pounded down and I tried to be the same but no matter what I did I always stuck out I was always sticking out and it's better just to embrace that and speak how you speak you know even if you're in a difficult situation and you feel like it is silencing you you know speak to the people around you who you feel comfortable and then slowly you can start to gain that confidence and that sense of not of, of decentering that gaslighting, decentering that self-censorship so that you can speak more freely and you can address things more head-on in your way. So again, this has been Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner. You've been listening to communication tutorials for diverse people. I'm so glad that you came here today. It's a big step to just you know, make the time to watch something that is catered just to you as diverse people and as a diverse person. And just to hear the stories and be like, you know what, that's my story. Or that was my partner's story. Or that was my colleague's story. And that thing happened to her. And now I know that it's out in the open. So maybe I can share mine too. So again, thank you so much. This has been on Gaslighting. 
The first communication tutorial we had was self-censorship of diverse people. And the interview that we based this after was from Ebony Bell, who's editor-in-chief of Tag Magazine. And Ebony's episode is called Decentering Black Queer Self-Censorship in the Face of Public Shaming, Racial Profiling, and Violence with Queer Women of Color Media and Programs, which is Tag Magazine. So we did talk about that a little bit. You know, the more representation you can see, the better. I hope you will, uh, now that you've gotten to the end of this tutorial, you can go back and you can watch uh, the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse for this month. Any of the other months from now on, we're going to be putting these together, truly creating an intersection between the Diverse Folks Converse interview and the communication tutorials for diverse people, just to create more consistency and to build upon to build upon these concepts to make them stronger for you when we present them to you. So thank you again, and we will see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us at The Intersection, Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. I wanted to close the show just to let you know a couple of different ways you can support us. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel under Dr. Shannon Wong Lerner that houses the intersection. You can also go to Anchor, which has the intersection, Diverse Folks Converse, where you can find all of your favorite podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please leave your reviews and subscribe there. I wanted to also take this opportunity to let you know that I just launched a program called Speak Your Way to Success. And a lot of the ideas that I discuss on the intersection communication tutorials is followed up with through this program. This program is something that has cultivated for a very long time with my 20 plus years of experience working with nonprofits, corporations, government entities, and individuals. And I've taken a lot of care and a lot of thought to put this program together to address the needs of diverse people. If you wanna find out more about this program, or if you also want to find out how to reach me so I can speak at your event as a keynote speaker who focuses on DEI and communication skills or one of the many trainings that I offer under DEI and or communication skills for your staff, you can contact me through LinkedIn or through my email at contact at drshannonwl.com. Com. Please also take a look at my new website, which describes my services and thought leadership, including plenty of free content that you can look at related to communication and diverse people. That is drshannonwl.com. One last thing, I just wanted to mention that the intersection Diverse Folks Converse and Communication Tutorials for Diverse People has a GoFundMe page. Even though the intersection is a not-for-profit project specifically geared to help diverse people, we still have production costs. And 
it would be wonderful just to get your assistance if you like the intersection. We're saying that anything you can spare to help the intersection would be helpful toward our production costs, even if it is Bernie style, such as $1, $5, or $10, can make a real difference in us meeting our costs for that month. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again 